All right, you guys, episode one. I'm so happy that you're here. Um, I've been wanting to do this for so long. It's been a dream of mine for a couple of years, and I've just been too scared, honestly, to do it. And um, I am here now. I am here to share my gluten-free life with you. I also have type 1 diabetes, if you were not aware of that from, I don't know, maybe you just came across this podcast, but I do have... Um, you know, social media platforms. So I know a lot of people know I have type 1, di- type 1 diabetes, but um, if you're new here, I've got celiac disease and I have type 1 diabetes. Um, I am going to share, I want this first episode to be kind of like my history and my story and how I got diagnosed with celiac disease and what that looked like for me. Um, everyone's journey is so different and their symptoms are different and the way that their lives have been affected by this are so different. Um, but we all are doing our best to try to live a gluten-free lifestyle so that we're feeling our best and we're taking care of our autoimmune disease. So I'm going to just start this episode giving you my celiac story. So for reference, I am 32 years old and I started dealing with symptoms that I think were linked to my celiac disease now that I can look back um, when I was 12. So I have earlier memories of that when I was eight or nine dealing with headaches. Um, But it wasn't until I was about 12 that I started developing pretty severe acid reflux. And I was medicated for acid reflux at the age of 12. Um, And I was taking like a, you know, like a Prilosec or an Omeprazole or something like that. Um, Over the years through junior high and high school, I think some dramatic things happened to me or, you know, just like the stress and like the drama of being a teenager and like the hardships of that um, caused my health problems to get worse. Um, So I started developing some regurgitation problems where I just had a really hard time keeping my food down. Um, I also learned around the age of like 15, 16 that I was lactose intolerant. So I was just dealing with stomach problems for a long time. But again, just masking them with drugs because that's what I was told to do. Um, And of course, didn't know how to advocate for myself then. And yeah, so I started developing some health problems. Um, I remember specifically around the age 17, 18, when it started getting pretty bad. And I'm I'm talking like, um, you know, throwing up my food all the time. Like I just couldn't keep any, any of my food down. And that was like really destroying my esophagus. And I was always having problems with going to the bathroom. Um, and yeah, I just didn't feel well and I wasn't well. I kind of reached a point where I just kind of had accepted that this was going to be my life and that I would always like be throwing up my food and I would always have acid reflux and I would always have to take medication every morning to control the acid reflux and um, just kind of dealt with that. I just thought that that was just kind of what my life was going to look like. Um, Eventually, I found a doctor after, you know, years of I had moved away from home and I was living on my own for several years and I just had all these health problems and I was just kind of came to the realization that like not everybody (laughs) deals with these health problems like it's I am the one that's abnormal and um, um, it really affected my self-confidence and the way that I allowed myself to be open and um, yeah, it just affected my life in ways that I didn't really realize until now I'm older and I can look back and see that my health problems really did affect uh, my social life and um, things like that. So I had gone to see a doctor and this doctor had told me that I basically like, 
have GERD. I have like this regurgitation problem. And um, the problem was that the sphincter at the bottom of my esophagus at the top of my stomach just wasn't tight. So my food just like wasn't staying down. So they told me there was a surgery that we could do. Um, but a result of this surgery was going to be that I would never be able to throw up again because they were going to like tighten that sphincter and like wrap, basically tie a knot at the bottom of my esophagus to tighten everything. Um, and that a result again was that I wasn't ever going to be able to throw up again. And at that time I'm like, that sounds amazing. Like I don't want to be throwing up the rest of my life. Like I already throw up to give you a reference, like anywhere from like 15 to 40 times a day. And that's just like small amounts of throw up that would just constantly be coming up into my mouth and up into my throat. Um, so that sounded amazing, like this surgery. Um, so I don't do well with any sort of anesthesia. Um, I get extremely sick and I am not, I just like, I can't handle the, uh, the side effects of it very well. Um, and I just really get really nauseous and ill and I throw up from that. So I was really scared because they told me I wouldn't ever be able to throw up again. So I get the surgery. <clears throat> I'm 20. I think I was 20 years old. And, um, you know, this is after a long time living with symptoms and someone, some doctor told me that I have like a solution or an answer for this. And I was like, okay, great, let's do it. So I get this surgery and I come out of the anesthesia and I'm in the hospital overnight. I'm kind of medicated, drugged, um, and then I go home and the doctors put me on, you know, like opioid opioids and I do not do well on any sort of pain medication like that, like hallucinations and yeah, I don't do well. So I also was getting really nauseous from these and I was sitting in the living room at my parents' house and I was telling my mom, like, I am going to throw up. Like I am so nauseous, like the medications making me so sick. And um, she was like, well, you can't throw up. Like we just had this surgery, so you can't throw up. And I'm like, I'm going to throw up. And I start like to dry heave and I'm getting so scared. I'm like, get me a bowl. And anyway, I end up throwing up and I throw up all the staples that were inside my stomach. So everything that the doctor had just done 48 hours prior was completely reversed because I just vomited so violently that all this, all those staples came up. And from that point, I just was like so beyond frustrated with what my life was going to look like. Like I just, I'm like, okay, well, this is just something that I'm going to have to deal with. I knew I would continue to have to take, you know, acid reflux medication and I would just have to live with this. Um, at this time I was dairy free because I was lactose intolerant and I knew my tummy didn't tolerate dairy very well. So I have been dairy free for a really long time. Um, so I'm like, okay, well, there's nothing else I can do. Like, and again, no one ever told me like, let's try and find, anything that could be possibly causing you to be throwing up your food. Like, of course, no one was looking for any root cause. Um, this was like, you know, a long time ago. There were just weren't very many progressive doctors out there at this time who were like, you know, really actually trying to help their patients find a root cause to the problem. So fast forward about a year and a half. I'm almost 22 and um I am a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And so I had decided that I wanted to serve a mission for my church and do a service mission. And this was um, something that I had decided to do, but I was kind of scared because of my health problems. Um, you can kind of, um, well, you get assigned somewhere in the world to do a service mission and you you create an application and you submit that in and then you get assigned somewhere. 
Um, but on the application, you can kind of choose like um, if you are interested in learning another language, serving in a foreign country. And I like marked zeros on all those things because I'm like, one, I can hardly tolerate any dairy. Like I would be so scared to go somewhere that like I wouldn't be able to get my medications and just all sorts of things that were making me nervous about that. So I end up getting um, a mission call to Canada, Vancouver mission. And I was really excited because I'm like, okay, Canada, great. Like that's basically like the United States. I'm going to be fine. It's not going to be a problem. Of course, at the time, I'm still dealing with my regurgitation, my vomiting, my acid reflux problems. And this is something that I have to like tell all of my companions that I have that I have this problem. And you know, that's embarrassing. But it's just like you have to tell the people that you're spending your every day with when you're a service missionary. Um, and so I just continued to deal with those problems. And about a year into my mission, a mission is 18 months. And about a year in, I really started having more and more health problems. And um, that led to me having to go to the emergency room when I was a missionary and um, just having lots of problems that were not getting better. So I ended up coming home from my service mission and I went to a doctor. I saw a specialist in a, in a bigger, better hospital in Salt Lake City. And basically he told me like, you know, they did some tests. They found out my gallbladder was basically like non-functioning. So they're like, let's go in, let's remove your gallbladder. And at this time I told the doctor like, hey, listen, <laughs> this is my crazy history. I had the surgery. It didn't work, blah, blah, blah. I told him that I'm still dealing with all of this stuff. And he was like, well, why don't we fix this? Like I actually can do a procedure. It's going to be a lot more invasive. Um, and we can like fix the problem. And I was like, okay, well, that's what the last doctor said. So I don't know. Like, and he was like, no, the surgery that I'm going to be doing is going to be a lot more invasive. It's not going to be done through a scope. Like it's going to be done like surgically. We're going to make multiple incisions in your stomach and, you know, do it all, all, all of that. So I was like, okay, let's just do it. They're going to go and remove my gallbladder anyway. So let's just do it. Um, so anyway, he tells me like, this is a very uncommon procedure for somebody your age. Like this is more of like a geriatric surgery because of elderly people who are dealing with acid reflux. So they go in, they do the surgery. Long story short, literally changed my life. Um, I no longer take medication and for acid reflux. I, um, I don't throw up. I'm not vomiting up my food. Anyway, it was the answer and it was a huge, massive blessing. So that was when I was 23 years old. So fast forward um, many years and I am doing a lot better health-wise, but I still am dealing with chronic health problems. So I'm dealing with some skin problems, like eczema type stuff on my hands, my elbows, my shins. Um, and I'm also dealing with chronic migraines. Um, the migraines are some, were something that I was dealing with for years prior, um, but I really felt like this surgery like helped with my like stomach problems that I was having and my acid reflux problems, but didn't help with my headaches or my skin problems. So um, I, a couple of years go by and in 2016, um, I was, I remember this specifically because this is the last gluten that I ever ate. Uh, me and my husband were going to go to the movies and we stopped into Sprouts and I love to get like their warm loaf of cornbread. <laughs> so I grabbed like a half mini loaf of cornbread and we went to the movies. We went to like a late night showing. Um, and I ate that cornbread. And then that night, um, like 
early in the morning, early morning hours, like 1 a.m. or so, I was having like severe pain, like terrible, terrible pain. Like I thought my appendix had ruptured. I was like, thought I was going to die basically. And I had my husband take me to the emergency room. So he takes me to the emergency room and I, you know, they're asking me questions, running tests, and they end up checking my stool and I had lots of blood in my stool. So they said, you know, how come you, how come you have lots of blood in your stool? Like, are you taking any medications? And I was like, well, yeah, I, I take Excedrin migraine every single day. And at the time I was, I was taking Excedrin like five to six times a week just to mask the migraines that I was dealing with. And of course, that is not good for my little tummy and not good for my gut and my intestinal lining and everything. So I, they were like, we need to do a scope. So they do a scope for me and they come back and they tell me I have multiple bleeding ulcers in my stomach and that they wanted to test me for celiac disease. And I was like, what's celiac disease? I don't know. They said, we'll call you and let you know. So the next day, um, I get a call after they had done a scope and a biopsy. I got a call and they told me that I had celiac disease. And I, I didn't know what that was. I was like, what is celiac disease? And they were like, you, okay, we'll make an appointment. You need to come in and see the gastroenterologist and he can talk with you about that. Seriously, talking about this <laughs> makes me like, it makes my blood boil and it makes me like, start to get like really upset because my experience was not good. So I went to my gastro's appointment and let me preface this by saying I was the type of person that would walk down like the medicine aisle or, um, you know, an aisle at the grocery store and see like something being labeled gluten-free and be like, why was, why does that even need to be labeled gluten-free? Like that is the dumbest thing ever. <laughs> and now here I am all these years later being so grateful for like the labeling system and stuff like that. Anyway, my experience at the doctor was you have celiac disease. You need to eat gluten-free. Here's a pamphlet. Let us know if you need anything. Goodbye. And unfortunately, this is the experience for many people and it is not fair and it is not okay. And um, it requires us to figure it all out on our own. And we have zero education and knowledge about what it actually means to live with celiac disease and what it means to learn how to read labels and what to look for and how to advocate for ourselves and how to avoid cross-contamination. Like I was given no information on that whatsoever. So the first year and a half of my diagnosis was like not great. Like I just, I knew I needed to be gluten-free, but I didn't know that I needed to avoid cross-contamination, shared fryers, cooking pizza on the same, on the same tops, like, you know, going to restaurants and they cook the pizza on the same everything and I'm just not worried at all about cross-contamination. Didn't know anything about oats. Didn't know anything about cereals that were made with oats. Um, I knew nothing. And I did so much trial and error on my own. And I spent so much money and I wasted so much money. And I cried a lot. And I cried and cried and cried. Like, I really hated it. And, you know, if you're new to it and you're here because you're new to celiac disease, I have been in your shoes and I know how crappy it feels to try to manage this new massive lifestyle change. Um, But I've done it for you and I'm here for you and I am happy to share my education, my knowledge, my wisdom and my ideas with anyone who is looking for that. Um, 
anyway, so yeah, like I said, that first year and a half, I was still getting sick all the time. And I didn't really know I was getting sick all the time because I really never healed. Like I really never got like to a place where I was like healing or healed because I was constantly getting cross-contaminated or consuming gluten in some form. Um, And it wasn't until about um, maybe two years later that I had, I felt like I was doing a lot better and I knew more because I had done the trial and error my, on my own and I had found the brands that I liked and I had found all the products that I like and I knew what I loved and trusted and knew what brands were good and knew what money was worth spending because I had done all of that for a long time all on my own. Um, and that was really difficult, like emotionally, mentally, mentally physically to go through that all alone. Because I had done this all on my own for so long, I really felt like I had kind of like this wealth of knowledge. Um, But this was, you know, like I said, 2016 through 2017 when social media was a thing, like we all had Instagram, but it wasn't like, you know, there were Instagram mommy bloggers. That was the beginning era of that. There weren't like, you know, I don't know. I just feel like Instagram, you guys know, Instagram wasn't what it was then, what it is now, this incredible resource available to us. Um, And so I thought, you know what, I'm going to go on Instagram, I'm going to go on a Facebook group. But like, at the time, I had never done that before. So I had never sought out any sort of resources. um, Because I didn't know that they were available to me. And I went on Instagram, and I started searching just like the hashtag gluten free and the hashtag gluten free Utah, because I live in Utah. And um. I was like, I found a couple of accounts and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not alone. There are like other people that are doing this. And um, I thought, what the heck, I'm going to start an Instagram page because I'm going to share all the groceries that I think are tried and true and that are worth the money. And I'm going to share all the restaurants that I eat at and the grocery stores that I buy my food at and do restaurant reviews. And that's what I decided to do in 20, I think I started my page in 2018. Um, And yeah, I just kind of started with the purpose of like sharing my groceries, what I would buy. Um, and that has snowballed into where I am today. And I have learned a lot and I have failed a lot. And I, you know, I share my experiences and I created a consulting business out of it because I want to be somebody that can help bridge the gap for people who are newly diagnosed to get to a place of diagnosis to thriving. There is there is no middleman that's doing that. And I really felt like after a couple of years of having my Instagram, I would have people message me and ask me for help in so many different areas. And it's because the only person that they trusted to give them advice was somebody who had been living with this disease already because their doctor didn't know anything about what it actually meant to live with celiac disease and how to handle social situations and how to talk to your family and how to advocate for yourself at a restaurant and what questions to ask, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know that living with celiac disease is a lot of work and you have to put in a lot of effort to make sure that you can eat safely. So in 2022, I started my consulting business and it has been the most rewarding job I've ever had. I love it and it is just my most favorite thing in the whole world. I, if you have been a a client of mine and you have done a consultation call, I just can't tell you how much it means to me that you would trust me to help you and to hold your hand and help you figure out your new life. It's a big, massive lifestyle change. And um, 
I did it all alone and I just don't want anyone else to do it alone. It's not fair and it's not easy to do it alone. And I'm so grateful for the resources that are now available to everybody who is newly diagnosed with celiac disease. And I hope that you will consider me a, a, a great resource to turn to when it comes to living and thriving with this disease. So it's been seven years now since my diagnosis and I have traveled to many countries all over the United States. I've been to Europe. I've been to multiple countries in Canada and South America and um, Central America. And um, it took a lot of work on my part. And every single time I traveled, every single time I go to a new social situation, every single time I meet a new friend or I have to connect with somebody on that deep of a level where they need to know about my celiac disease. I learn something new that I will do different for the next time. And you know that everybody needs to have that experience, but um, being able to be a resource for people in my consulting business, I, I try to shorten. I try my best to make the window of learning to be so much shorter than my learning window. And I really do feel like my learning window from diagnosis to the point where I felt like I was actually thriving was a little more than two years. And I do not want that to be the case for anyone who is newly diagnosed with this. Um, I always tell um, moms who contact me who want to schedule a consultation for their child. It's really a lot like you're also getting the diagnosis and you need to learn so much about it and you need to educate all of the people that are in your inner circle and that you are communicating with and spending time with. They need to know the importance of this because this is an autoimmune disease and it's it's not a joke. It's not a fad. It's It's a massive lifestyle change because you're trying to save yourself, really. And um, yeah, that's that's kind of my story. I, I feel like there's a lot of stuff in between that we'll cover throughout different episodes um, and just tips and ways to really adapt and start thriving with celiac disease. Um, so that's that's kind of my story. Um, I would love to interview more people and hear other people's celiac stories, their journeys of how they got to where they were and what that looked like for them. And um yeah, for now, I just wanted to let you guys in on my side of my experience. I hope that you enjoyed my story. I definitely let a, left out some gruesome details. I tried to stay as like not so disgusting as possible, but there's one thing I learned, one thing I've learned for sure with meeting other people with celiac disease is like once you all have this common ground, I am that you all have celiac disease, like all walls go out the window and there's just like no such thing as TMI. Like we're all just like, let's talk about our bowels. And um, anyway, so I'm sure we'll get to that, that point. But as of right now, that's kind of my story. I really hope you enjoyed listening and I hope that um, you continue to come back and hear more about how to travel and how to navigate social situations and how to host and how to go eat at other people's homes and how to educate your family. And I really want to give you as much information as as I can. Um, if you are actually interested or you're newly diagnosed with celiac disease and you're interested in having a consultation, um, I do consultation calls via Zoom. You can sign up to um, get on the schedule in the link in my bio on Instagram. I will also add the link here in the show notes to schedule a consultation. The consultation is an hour long and it's $85. Um, I am the cheapest out there of all of the gluten-free consultations that are happening. 
um, in this niche area. Um, so going to give that little plug there. I am the most affordable and I'm also really fun and we become good friends and we become GFFs and that's all I've ever wanted is to have a bunch of gluten-free friends. So um, again, my name is Lauren. I'm the host of the Good Gluten for Grub podcast. Um, feel free to leave a rating and a review. I would absolutely love that. And you can follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Good Gluten Free Grub. Bye.